This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton Global Youth Program. Hello, and welcome to Future of the Business World, the podcast featuring innovative youth with big ideas and even bigger ambitions. I'm Diana Drake with the Wharton Global Youth Program at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. At Global Youth, we have the honor of working with high school students who are aspiring to be contributors to and leaders in all areas of the business world. We just launched our latest investment competition with more than 4,000 registered student teams from 79 countries, all busy strategizing and analyzing in hopes of reaching the top 50 teams in a few months. Today's guest, Sai Matapali, knows what that feels like. His team, DMV's finest from Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Virginia, U.S., attained top 10 status in our investment competition two years in a row. And last year, they won the ultimate prize as global champions. Sai, congratulations on that victory and welcome to Future of the Business World. Of course. Thank you for having me. While it's true you love investing, today we're here to talk about your love of technology and artificial intelligence. It's not every day I can say this about a 17-year-old, but I happened to be reading Forbes magazine last month and learned about the $12.5 million AI business that you started this past summer with your friend and classmate, Rohan. Your startup, Vital, uses AI to help doctors detect cognitive decline in older adults. Your tagline is evaluate your brain health with your eyes. Please tell us how it works. Of course. So the fundamental aspects of Vital is you're essentially using your eye as a window into your mind. And the way we were doing this is with eye tracking. For decades, there has been research linking eye movement changes to brain health. However, currently, if a user wants to use their eye tracking or eye movements as a proxy for their brain health, they have to purchase these eye tracking headsets that can cost upwards of thousands of dollars. So what we've done at Vital is we've built a way for people to run through gaze tracking tests and receive output on their brain health with just their laptop, which has been our main unique value proposition. Interesting. And it is about early detection, right? Why is that important for neurological disease? So neurological disease is largely a progressive one in the fact that as each month goes by, in the symptoms can get worse and it also gets a lot harder to come out of, right? Or even to treat. So I think that's why early detection is a large factor when it comes to treating these neurogenic diseases. So that's why screening tools like Vital can play a large role in this, right? Because based on identifying signs of cognitive decline early on, doctors are able to make faster treatments essentially, right? And this could be, you know, extremely valuable. I think there's recently a case study, at, I think Mayo Clinic, where they've shown that early diagnosis can or increase the amount of time that a person is able to survive with their neurodegenerative disease by almost three times. So it can definitely be extremely beneficial. So how did you and Rohan join forces as teenagers and begin developing this technology? Had you explored the field of neuroscience before and were you guys interested in entrepreneurship? Yeah, so Rohan and I first met in our ninth grade computer science class where we both were tasked to work together to build Connect4 using Python. And I think through this project, we learned that 
number one, we worked really well together. And number two, we had the same passion and creativity for computer science, right? Um, even with the product as simple as Connect4, we kept trying to find innovative ways to approach the problem. And, you know, even after this experience, we sort of coincidentally took similar paths. We both pursued neuroscience research at universities like Harvard and Georgetown, and we both were able to publish our own research in the fields of machine learning. And we sort of came together in the middle of 10th grade, you know, after all these experiences had concluded. And we realized that a lot of the research we had done had sort of gone to waste because, of course, we were able to improve our own learning experience and produce research that could help the world. But the key thing there is could help the world, right? Because at the end of the day, a lot of these papers that we were able to publish and the research that we were able to conduct, they all stopped at the publication stage, right? And never to be used in the real world. So that's when we decided after doing some more research that the only way we could get our product and our research to be used in the real world was through the lens of entrepreneurship. So that's sort of what took us into getting to startups and founding Vital. So I want to talk a little bit about how far you've come. You've raised seed capital from investors and your startup now is valued at $12.5 million, which I said. I also read that you specifically pitched investors in India, taking advantage of growth and in international startup funding. There's a lot to unpack here business-wise. What did you learn about creating a powerful pitch? And can you talk about the process of raising seed capital to help your venture grow? Of course. So I'd say at the start, when we decided to approach venture capital and investors, the first issue that we ran into was a lot of startups, they tend to pitch prior to building their product, right? Which, of course, makes sense because a lot of products need capital to first be built. But the beauty of what we're doing at Vital is that we were able to build our beta application before we even raise a single dollar, right? Because a lot of the money that we needed came at the post-production stage where we had to, you know, conduct clinical trials, um, patenting, getting lawyers, etc. So I think that's what really drove our pitch forward is having a finished product, right? Because even as high schoolers, there's a lot of skepticism around our ability to create the product that we're pitching. So having the product actually be done when we were in that conference room with our investors helped tremendously. And in terms of pitching overseas, um, around the time when we were raising funds this summer, there was sort of a drought in the startup funding space in the U.S., specifically with healthcare. You know, after a large boom when, you know, ChatGPT and all these generative AI startups were coming out, a lot of venture capital sort of exhausted their funds, right? So they weren't really keen on investing in, in other long-term tech startups. So that's when we realized we had to pivot to an international approach because in countries like India, for example, startup culture is at its peak. Right. Because, you know, Indians are just sort of catching on to, you know, what it means to build a startup and more people are willing to leave like, you know, their comfortable corporate jobs for a startup. Right. So and obviously, you know, using our, our connections that we might have had overseas with like, you know, our grandparents we were able to get spots to pitch at India Startup Fest. And pitching at India Startup Fest was huge for us because there were a lot of UK investors present as well at the Startup Fest. So presenting at the Startup Fest, we were able to raise about $750,000 of our total $1.3 million that we raised for our seed round. And I think after that, you know, once you get your initial investors in any startup, it's a, a, more of a smoother road going on from there because, you know, there's a lot of trust that's added to your startup. So following that, we pretty much took the tried and true approach of just cold emailing as many VCs as we could, reaching out to investors. Um, and I'd say specifically the way that we approach that from a pitch perspective is we show them value in their own lives, right? Like we made sure our pitches weren't just talking about, you know, the elderly population as a whole, but we made sure to direct our pitches towards them, 
right? Because almost everyone can relate to worrying about the health of their parents, their grandparents, right? The older people in their family. So by directing this pitch towards how we could add value to their lives, we think was, you know, very beneficial to raising the money that we did raise. You seem very savvy about business and that you know a lot already. How are you so familiar with the nuances of the business world at this point? Yeah, so I'd say a big thing for me has been Y Combinator Startup School, which is a completely free seven-week program where um, Y Combinator, which is one of the most reputable startup accelerators, hosts a program where any founder can pretty much join this program, attend Zoom sessions, talk with other entrepreneurs in the space. Um, so I think this was definitely a very good initial experience for both Rohan and I, which we did the summer before we you know, really took Vital off the ground. But I think after that, it's primarily been just talking to as many entrepreneurs as we can, right? I think we've talked to almost 200 different entrepreneurs in the tech space um, throughout the last four or five months. And I think that's where we've been able to learn a lot of the things that we did about raising money, investing, um, growing a product, because no book or no you know, uh, I'd say online course can really replicate what talking to other entrepreneurs in the space can. But that being said, there are some technicalities that can be learned and should be learned online, which is what Y Combinator Startup School, for example, did. And I think even a lot of the programs that Warren Global Youth are able to provide, where they're able to provide more of the technical knowledge behind what it means to be an entrepreneur. And then the more personal element that you can only really learn through experience, you're able to get from other entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you got a true crash course in entrepreneurship. You've said that doctors are the biggest skeptics of AI on the planet. Why is this? And how are you convincing the doubters of the value of your technology? Yeah, so I'd say skepticism around AI in the healthcare field largely comes from the value um, that doctors place on their work. Right. Which understandably so, you know, people who have gone through decades of education to do what they're able to do and really understand the gravity behind, you know, the lives that are at stake with their work. You know, it's definitely understandable from even like a layman's perspective about why doctors may be so skeptical, um, skeptical of this technology that's, you know, might replace their jobs. Right. And so I think um, it's not necessarily about reducing their skepticism. Right. But it's more so working in alignment with it. So one big thing at Vital was early on, we were prioritizing full diagnostics, right? So we were a little bit in over our heads, but we had the plan of, you know, from when you load in the app to when you leave the app, you will be able to know for certain, you know, whether or not you have a neurogenic disease, right? That was our initial plan. We were just mocking up the app. But then we realized, you know, after talking to some of our advisors in the healthcare space and just other doctors in general, we realized that this was very ambitious, not just from a technical perspective, but also from an adoption perspective, right? Because even from a consumer perspective, a lot of people are not comfortable with downloading an app off the app store and trusting it with, you know, their medical information, right? Or trusting it to give a accurate medical diagnosis, right? So what we sort of did is we sort of pivoted our technology to be more analogous to something like a blood pressure machine, right? Where all it's doing is it's outputting metrics that can then be linked to your cardiac health. But the doctor's input is still extremely valuable there. So even with Vital, we're hoping there, there's going to be a B2B element where doctors are still heavily involved in what we're proposing and recommending to patients that end up using our application. You and Rohan are legit tech entrepreneurs at this point, and you're still in high school. How are you balancing the demands of beta testing, capital raising, and all of it that you've been talking about with being a student? Are you enjoying your senior year? 
you know, to be honest, we've definitely had to take a lot of shortcuts in high school to, you know, balance the work that we do at Vital, right? Like early on in 10th grade, we both had an interesting conversation where we realized, you know, how much are we willing to sacrifice for Vital, right? Are we willing to sacrifice our grades, sacrifice sleep? You know, how far are we willing to go in order to make Vital a success? And we found that we both pretty much had the same motivation behind Vital, right? We both were willing to, you know, sacrifice that one piece of calculus homework to take an investor call or sacrifice those two hours of sleep to finish up beta testing with one user, right? So after first setting these boundaries between the two of us, right, where we both were on the same page of, you know, how much work we were willing to put in, I think after that, it sort of got easier with time. Right. I think in 10th grade, it was really hard for us because we had to skip school a lot to balance, you know, the work that we're doing with Vital and especially with investor pressure. Right. Because a lot of these investors um, come in with the idea that you're going to work on your startup full time. Right. So having to navigate the demands that they set for us on a week to week basis while also obviously trying to make sure that we're still maintaining, you know, um, excellence academically right and making sure that we're still taking care of our learning was definitely hard in 10th grade but i think as we moved into 11th grade we sort of built a better structure for how we managed our time right and especially now in senior year we've been able to find time to still go to like homecoming games still go to football games every week um set up plans hang out with our friends from high school you know just to make sure you know all those connections are still strong as we go into college um, so I think it's definitely a time situation. So, you know, even to anyone listening who may be worried about going into entrepreneurship as a student in high school, I would say you have to just trust the process and hope that over time you sort of grow accustomed to it. What motivates you to get this technology to market? Is it money or is it something else? Yeah, so I'd say any entrepreneur obviously has an incentive to make money, right? That's that's what it means to be an entrepreneur. But I think one of my favorite quotes that we heard from another health tech entrepreneur was that, if you're in the entrepreneurship space for money, healthcare is probably the worst space you can be in, right? Because if you're trying to make money in healthcare, it takes almost three to five years just to get your product in the market. And then after that, it, it can take almost a decade to get people to trust your technology and adopt it at a large enough scale, right? So I think that's been something that has really resonated with Rohan and I, because we realized that, you know, it's not just about the money that comes with entrepreneurship. But like I said at the start, it's about getting research out there in the world that truly has an impact on people's lives. Like recently, we've been able to partner with ALS India, right, where we're able to have 600 people with ALS use Vitals technology with even people as young as 23 years old being a part of the program and sort of seeing over time within the next few years how well Vital is able to track and monitor their progression of ALS. So I think even just having conversations with, you know, just even two to three of them and having them tell us, you know, how grateful they are for technology like ours that's able to comfort them and even, you know, sort of defog the, you know, mysteries that can be surrounding neurogenic diseases, right? You know, because it's hard to know, you know, even if you know that you have Alzheimer's, it's hard to tell, you know, how worse is it getting each month, right? Or each year, um, when should you start worrying more, right? And I think that's what we've been able to provide is just a tangible way for them to assess how their brain health is sort of changing. So I think that's definitely been the most rewarding part of being an entrepreneur for myself and Rohan. And I think that's what really motivates us to put this into the market because, you know, we want as many people as possible in the world to have their hands on our technology. How has your experience with the Wharton Global High School Investment Competition informed your journey? Yeah, so I'd say, although I guess like from a financial perspective, it's slightly different in the way we approach the Wharton Investment Competition and the way we obviously approach startup funding. But I think the biggest way that 
um, the Warrant Investment Competition experience has helped has definitely been through communication and pitching, right? You know, getting that experience standing in front of a table of four to five judges and having to present a solution is very similar to how startup pitching works, right? Because most VCs, they have about four to five members of their investment team attend the pitch. And it's structured in a very similar way to the Warren Investment Competition, where, you know, you're called up with the slideshow, you're given a time frame to pitch, and then, you know, you go through a rigorous Q&A following the pitch. So I think that experience and even having to think on your feet in the Q&A round specifically has really helped me with pitching vital. I want to know your thoughts about the future of AI. Should we be afraid of losing control? We hear a lot of this talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially with GPT's release and a lot of AI advancements having been made in such a short amount of time in the past few months, there's definitely been a lot of rampant skepticism surrounding it. But one thing I would say is that it's important for people to realize that any time and throughout history, there's been a new technology that has come about. There's been a lot of skeptics, right? That's just the nature of technology adoption. So I would say you know, it might be hard for me to give a definitive answer on whether or not I think AI might be destructive in the future. I would say it's important for people, especially people who are skeptical of AI, to sort of take a step back and realize that, you know, even when computers were first built or even the first, you know, electric car was built, you know, with Tesla's autopilot, for example, there were a lot of people who were concerned that this could, you know, be the downfall of humanity. So I would say it's important for people to sort of take a step back, look at it with a more objective lens before, you know, getting influenced by the media and the Twitter posts that they read. What is next for Vital and what's next for you? Yeah, so in terms of Vital, we currently have our beta application out right now, which we've been sending out on a user-to-user basis. On our website, we do have a place for people to sign up for our waitlist, and we pretty much get back to them within a month or two at maximum. Um, So right now, it's pretty much just been full beta testing to make sure that we're accounting for a wide variety of testers as possible. A big thing in healthcare that we've noticed, at least a disparity in testing, has been factoring in race and gender, right? So that's something we've been working really hard on with Vital, is making sure that we have an equitable distribution of who we're testing our application with. Because there are definitely a lot of changes that we've already noticed with eye movements from a even a male to female or even different races. So we think that's something that we're really going to try and make sure we have a solid understanding of throughout our beta testing process. And I guess in addition to that, in terms of, I guess, myself personally, um, and I'd say this probably relates to Rohan as well. So we both are still planning to apply to college this year um, because we think, I mean, at least from our investors, a lot of them have, you know, asked us why we still think it's necessary to pursue, you know, an education in tech or entrepreneurship or neuroscience after seeing the success we've already been able to reach with Vital. But I think a really important part for us has been the community that we're surrounded by, right? Because going to Thomas Jefferson High School, which is one of the top high schools in the country, has been really inspiring for us because, you know, we're always sitting with our classmates and people around us that are just as motivated and just as driven towards their future. So I think even from a college perspective, the benefit of going to a top institution like the University of Pennsylvania, for example, would be being surrounded by people who will inspire you to continue working and continue moving, even when you feel like, you know, nothing is going right for you. All right. Well, let's wrap up with our lightning round. Try to answer these questions as quickly as you can. What would you be caught binge watching at midnight? TV show Suits. The next thing you hope to learn that you don't already know? How to juggle. Something about you that would surprise us. Contrary to what Twitter may believe, Rohan and I do find time to shower twice a day, even as tech entrepreneurs. (laughs) A podcast, book, movie, or meme that recently inspired you? 
Lex Friedman's recent podcast with Mark Zuckerberg, which took place completely in the metaverse, was really interesting for us to see because it's been the first, I guess, direct view of the metaverse that we've seen. The business person you would most like to take to lunch and why? Nick Dalioso. He was a 17-year-old who sold his startup to Yahoo for $30 million back in 2013. Excellent. Sai, I wish you luck with Vital. Thank you for joining us on Future of the Business World. Thank you. Discover more opportunities for high school students and educators at globalyouth.wharton.upenn.edu.